Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. I continue with some of our teaching lesson that we had uh, last week and uh, from the book uh, Follow to Lead, and we're talking about being a disciple maker. And such a very vital, vital, important uh, lesson for us to grasp a hold of as a church body. Uh, first of all, you know, you hear a lot of news about religions and how, and I, I go in churches all the time and I'm working on uh, church equipment, heating, cooling systems, and this and that. And I go into a lot of churches, and uh, uh, some are uh, growing, some are slightly maintaining, and some are losing. It's it's sad because they uh, have got to a point where they're actually losing people and losing congregations. And... Um, uh, religions are, are losing new generations. Uh, in order for a church to survive, not only do we need elders uh, and we need people that have been here f- for a while, we also need new generations coming up. We need our children to be able to fall in love with Jesus and they follow by our example. And uh, we need those new generations. We need for them to understand the power of the moving of the Spirit of God and the, the power of the Word. and, and uh, the, They need to see miracles. They, they need to experience the supernatural. They need to understand that God is real. Um, they need to see us worship. We're worshiping God because we love Him, but they need to see us as adults worship the Lord and commit to God with a commitment when troubles times come they're going to watch us not just our children but other other children in the church are watching us to see how we respond to tough times and we need to show them by example show them by our life and really what it comes down to it's not about okay I've got to I got to have a list of things this I got to do that I got to no let me tell you this you just fall in love with Jesus, it just all falls into place. The Bible even says that uh, love fulfills the law. That's Scripture. It talks about love fulfilling the law. In other words, if you fall in a deep relationship with God, guess what? You, you could take that love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, the great commandment, you can also not even have to deal with all the other commandments. They'll just fall in line when you fall in love with Jesus. doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. But when you're in love with Jesus, you're going to get back up. You're going to keep going, keep walking. So in order for a church to survive, we need elders and we need teens and we need children. And we need to keep that continually uh, flowing in the church. We need new generations coming up behind us that fall in love with the Lord. 
And there's a lot of religions that are actually losing new generations. It, a lot of the teens don't want anything to do with church. And um, the elders are the ones that are kind of holding on to the financial uh, moorings of the church. And then you see a lot of churches are having to join together to help them continue on financially. And then uh, elders are passing from the scene, passing from this life. And then, because there's not new generations coming up, the church then, of course, begins to fail, and the doors are closed. Um, people, were, people were wanting exciting things to happen. You know, um, elders passing from this life, then, then churches must, must have new generations committing themselves to Christ to be able to keep the thing going, and then their children after them coming into the church and winning new people. So that's what discipleship is all about, winning souls, teaching Bible studies, uh, one-on-one witnessing, reaching out to people, loving people, ministering to people, and, and keeping the, uh, showing them the truth, keeping the, the, the church alive. And because it's, it's really sad that new generations are not coming up in, in various churches uh, and then they close the doors, but when you really consider it, there's a lot of churches that there's no move of the Spirit of God. Um, some of them have got so far away from um, the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, and uh, it's become... It, let, me, let me put it this way. Don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say, but it is important for the church to take care of the poor, take care of the widows. I mean, the Lord calls us to do that, do things to help people out. But... Um, Sometimes churches fall into that that mode of that's all they do. That's all they're doing is just trying to help people, and they're not showing them new. I mean, they're not showing them the, the truth of the Word of God, showing them to the cross. One of the things is really a detriment to a lot of churches, and I see this all the time. It's it's sad, but uh, there are a lot of people that are going to churches, uh, and and let me. Let me say this, going to churches, and they might even be um, officials in the church. And they walk through the middle aisle of the church and cursing. And I'm thinking, I, I wanted to say something, but I'm an employee of a company, and I can't really speak my mind at that point, other than sometimes I have, but sometimes I bite my tongue. But I've even heard so-called leaders of churches, ministers, walking down the steps, and I'm following them, and they're cursing as they walk down the steps. And I'm thinking, you're leading people. You're leading people. It's sad. It's sad. It's not in every church, but, um, you know, that's the thing that I, I pray that our church, we're not exempt to this. We could fall into that same trap if we... If we didn't walk after the Word of God and keep our relationship with God fresh, keep our hunger and commitment to God fresh, we could fall into that same trap. We're not exempt to this, from this. Um, but in a lot of churches, there are no, there's no move of the Spirit. There's dead, dry services. No moving of the Holy Ghost. Dead, dry sermons. People not living in an honest way to God's commandments. And because of that, the churches dry up and die. And it's sad. It's really sad. I am very thankful for uh, 
United Pentecostal churches. We have churches all around the world. Matter of fact, we've got we've got missionaries in I don't know two, over two hundred and some countries in uh, preaching points. And there's a few other countries we're trying to get into. And matter of fact, we have got into some of them, and some of them are underground churches that the country won't allow churches to be there. So they they have to go underground to worship God and have sacred church services or they could be killed. That's way to thank God for the United States of America and our freedom of worship and freedom of religion and freedom you know, we do have that in our constitution still. It's still there, it's still pinned there. We do need to pray and protect it. We want to continue in that freedom of religion. But I thank the Lord that in Saint Louis here not too long ago. Uh, I know the numbers might not be exact, might even be more than this, but there were 37,000 young people and youth leaders and youth workers and adults in St. Louis at the Edward Jones Dome. I know it's not called that now. It's something else. But uh, 37,000 young people worshiping and praising God. You can go online and you can pull that up and you can see the congregation worshiping and praying and seeking God, hungry, thirsting for God, miracles. There were people who got up out of the wheelchairs and walked in those services. People received the Holy Ghost in those services. Mighty move of God. I thank the Lord that we are reaching out to new generations. And I believe a lot of it has to do with we're just simply trying to follow the Word of God. And the Word of God works. The truth of the Word of God works. The salvation plan that God has given us, repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the remission of sins and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, it still works. It's powerful. It's powerful. It is a miracle. Miraculous. I thank the Lord for that. Um, we want to continue to reach. Not, I want our church to reach all people, all people, the young and the old, many different nationalities, many different uh, uh, people of all types, whether you're young, old, whether you're a different nationality, uh, whatever. I want to see our church reach Anybody and everybody. Is that the way you feel? Everybody. Um, that's what God wants us to be. And as long as we do that, we're fulfilling the plan of God. I want us to reach all people. But it's going to take us being disciple makers. All of us. Being a disciple maker. Intentionally reaching out. It doesn't just come to us. People sometimes might, God might bring someone to us, but it doesn't always happen. But you know, when people give the effort to reach out and touch other people's lives and minister to them and disciple them and show them the way and encourage them and, and, and try to encourage them to come to the house of the Lord and receive the power of God's Spirit, the church will always grow. And it's not just for the purpose of the church growing. It's for the purpose of souls being saved. 
being saved. And I know this church building being full, what that represents is souls being saved, lives being changed. And everybody's on a different level. We're, we're, some people come in and get it real quick, everything. Sometimes people, it takes time. We're all on a different level at times. We've got to be patient and teach. And we get a little bit here, a little bit there. We're constantly learning something new, something fresh. But the body of Christ, the ministry of the body of Christ, or the church landmark, is for us to be disciple makers and understand, in what we talked about last week, who is our neighbor. Um, the man came to Jesus, a lawyer asked him a very simple question, what does it take to have eternal life? And um, so he, Jesus began to talk to him about it. And he said, what do you think? He said, well, love the Lord by God with all thy mind, heart, soul, strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, who is thy neighbor? He said that later. Jesus said, you've said very well. And then the man said, well, who, who is my neighbor? So Jesus went into a parable and began to talk about the, the, um, the man that was injured along the side of the road. And a priest walked by, and he walked by and just looked at him went on. Uh, another man, Levite, came by, looked at him, just went on. But a Samaritan stopped and reached out to this man and helped him. He was hurt. He was beaten down by thieves, and he took him to a place... And he even told the people that were going to take care of him, uh, here's some things to take care of him with, and then whatever is above and beyond this, I will come back and I will pay the price and help him out. So who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is those that we can help along the way. And it is important for us to help people uh, in their needs, to help them in their Sometimes even financial needs help them with uh, things they can't take care of themselves. But one of the most important things is for us to show them Jesus. We become a neighbor to them and they become a neighbor to us. That's who our neighbor is. Those that we can give Jesus to. We need to go out into this world and look for people that we can give Jesus to. Show them the way. Show them the the direction to Jesus because when they find Jesus, they're going to find everything that they've been looking for in life. They're going to find healing to their soul. They're going to find healing to their mind, to their heart, to their life. I know. I've been there. You've been there. People don't know what they're really looking for a lot of times. They're just trying to look for help. You know what they're trying to find? And they don't always understand it, but they're looking for Jesus. They might not understand that. And we are the ones that can show them the way. But when they come to Jesus, that's not that everything's finished. Sigh of relief. They found Jesus. No, that's just the beginning. Then we need to show them how to live for God, how to pray, how to worship, how to walk with God, how to be consistent with uh, God and consistent the house of God and learn how to live for the Lord and, and grow in God. I thank the Lord for disciple-makers that were in my life that showed me how to live and how to worship and how to pray and how to seek God and how to be committed to His church and to the kingdom of God. And I thank God for that. And after, since 1977 till now, 
It worked. It worked. Thank God for disciple makers. Uh, that's what God wants us to be, to help people along the way. And um, a lot of churches lack the sense of responsibility to those that are around us. We do have a responsibility. God has called us to the Great Commission. We have a responsibility to people that are around us, people that are in our world, people that are even in this church. We have a responsibility to one another to protect each other and to pray for one another and to encourage one another and strengthen one another and, and lift each other up. And, uh, and then those outside of the walls, we can't just get so wrapped up in just us as a church body and us together. We, we can talk to each other. We can fellowship together, this and that. It's easy to do that. But we need to get beyond the walls of this church and reach out into the community and reach souls. Um, I mentioned that the fastest growing church right now, believe it or not, is in Iran. It's in Iran. You might think, Iran? They don't want God. Guess what? They do. The people, let me put, the, put it this way. The people you think don't want God want it more than you think they do. One of the biggest ones that I would say... Uh, that acted like they didn't want anything to do with God was me. I, I wasn't, you know, I was trying to be respectful, but I just didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't want anything to do with the church. But really, deep down, I did. I'm just thankful someone got past that little uh, veneer finish that I put on that I didn't want anything to do with God and continued to pray for me and pray for my family until we came to the Lord. I thank the Lord for that. They went beyond that little veneer finish that I put on. And the man that uh, and woman that... It was a, several people that actually helped win my family to the Lord and me, myself. But uh, they were very loving people. Very praying people. They made you feel like a million bucks. Back then, a million bucks was a lot of money. It's still a lot of money. I don't have a million bucks. Anybody here have a million bucks? But they just made you feel like you were worth something. And it made me feel good inside. We are worth something, especially to God. But we need to be, and others around us need to be feel like they're worth something in this life and to God. That's where we come in. If we can get a culture in this church to where we can not just be a fellowship to one another here, but also to start that process to take it outside the walls of this church, you will be amazed at what will happen. And people you thought never want anything to do with God will find God. I've always found, and I, I, I hate to use this always as an example, but uh, because we're not in the sales as far as reaching people for the Lord, but I do know that in, in sales, uh, there's a lot of times I've looked at people, and Jeff, you probably looked at people that, you know, they didn't look like they even wanted a new furnace or air conditioner. Matter of fact, some of them don't even look like they could afford one. But when you just mention it, hey, you, there's some high-efficient piece of equipment out there that could save you a lot of money on utilities. And 
I've had people that just amazed me and said, sure, sign me up. Wow, that, aren't you going to arm wrestle me a little bit? Aren't you going to make it hard for me? Aren't you going to kick me out on the street and say, get out of my house and then let me beg for it? No. Yeah, sign me up. Let's put it in. Set the date. We'll do it. And you're standing there thinking, wow. I didn't even know they were even wanting it. But you never know until you ask. It's the same thing with reaching people. There's a lot of people that I have... uh, I've got friends today that were one to the Lord, but when you knew them before they came to the Lord, you wouldn't even think that they would want anything to do with God. And they gave their life to the Lord because someone prayed for them and reached out to them and showed them friendship and loved them to Christ. That's what God is wanting us to be. We do have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to those that are around us. But there's a lot of churches that lack that. And I pray that we never get to that point, but I pray that we will expand our understanding of responsibility, that we have a responsibility to one another And we have a responsibility to those outside the walls of this church to reach them, to love them, to show them the way. There is a great victory in God if they could just find it. Amen. But it's the great commission of Christ to His church for us to reach out and help other people, minister to people, uh, helping people, but also showing them the way to eternal life. You know, the Western culture, when we talked a little bit about this last week, you know, there's a lot of houses, some of the older houses had porches on the front. And uh, years ago, um, you know, they sit on the front porch, and, and sometimes they would even talk from house to house from the porch. You ever seen that? You're sitting out on the porch, someone sit on the swing, and the next-door neighbor, they're sitting on their swing, and you're just talking back and forth. Or sometimes you go over to the house, and, and, and you talk to them, and, and there was a lot of sharing, and they would share things. I, I, this might be a little selfish, but uh, there was a, a customer I had today, and he, I, I was talking to him, working on his furnace, and he walks over to the fence, and um, he reaches down, and there was tomato plants that were coming through the, the chain-link fence from his neighbor's house, and he, there was two big red tomatoes right there on the ground, and he reached down and picked them up. I watched him. He picked them up, and he took them and set them over by his door. I just, I was just kind of feeling the thing out here and trying to figure it out. I said, "Is he okay with you taking his tomatoes?" He says, "It's on my side. It's on my side of the fence." I said, "Okay." He just looked at me and smiled. But I know his neighbor too, and I know they get along together, so they share things. You know, that's that's the beautiful thing of life. We just share. Share our life experiences, share our encouragement, share our prayers, share our, our um, strengths and encourage one another in life. There's a lot of people in life, all they're looking for is someone that cares for them. There's nobody that cares for us more than Jesus. If we could just show them the love of Christ through our lives, through our, our, our heart... To be like Christ, we've got to show other people what Christ is all about. I think that's the biggest stumbling block to a lot of people because there's a lot of people, especially younger people. Trust me, younger people understand a lot more than what a lot of people think. 
they are very smart. They know if we're honest or not. They know if we're lying, lying or not. They know if, we're, if we say we're a Christian and we don't act like a Christian, they know it. Guess what? They don't want anything to do with that. I think the biggest stumbling block in our world, and especially with young people, is they've seen so much of people that say, I'm a Christian, but yet they don't act like a Christian. They don't walk like a Christian. They don't talk like a Christian. They don't live their life like a Christian. It is a stumbling block. They don't want anything to do with it. They just want someone to be honest. You know what I'm talking about? We do understand what we're what I'm talking about here today. That's a big stumbling block to a lot of people. And it puts an excuse there that, wow, don't want to go to church. A lot of hypocrites there. Well, that's the reason why we need to live a life that is right according to God's plan, according to God's Word. And no, we're not perfect. But we're striving to get there. A little step here, a little step there. Learning something new. Maybe tonight we're going to learn something new and afresh that we never learned before. Just learning something new and growing in God. It's okay. We're As long as we're looking toward the Lord and walking toward Him, I do, I do believe that people in this world do understand that we're not perfect. And if we do make a mistake, first be honest about things. And let them know, hey, you know, God is merciful. He loves us. People just want to know we're honest and we're upright and we're not trying to fake somebody out. It is important for us to walk faithfully before the Lord. But in the light here and the teaching of being a disciple maker, we need to show people the way. And if we show them that, hey, you know, I am human, sometimes people think that people... I've had people actually think that I have always lived a life perfect and pristine. No. I was a sinner. And I'm saved by grace. Some people look at people that go to church like you've always lived for God. You've always, you've never tasted of anything sinful, nothing like that. Let me tell you something. We all are sinners. But saved by grace. Jesus also warned that the spirit of offense would rise in the last days. And it's true. People are so divided in our world. What the church needs to be is that link that brings people together and unifies people in our world. We can be the salt of the earth that God's called us to be. There's so much division in our world. I was thinking about this. You know, if a politician stepped up and said some things to bring people together, and I know that... Uh, that people will get behind that because people are so tired of the divisions and struggle, so tired of the bickering and the fighting and all that stuff. If we could just come together. I do know that the Bible says in the book of Revelation that there's going to be someone, there's going to be an Antichrist who's going to stand up and bring people together, and people are going to follow him. Well, that proves the point right there. 
Now, I know that they have the wrong motive. The Antichrist has the wrong motive. But it proves the point that people will come together with people that are trying to unify others together. And life's too short for division, for bickering, for fighting. And how much more beautiful it is when there's unity. Unity within our country, unity within the church, unity within people, unity within neighbors. But our our world in the Western world has become so independent. Now you don't see people, uh, you know, you, you could live on a street and not know hardly anybody that lives close to you. Not know their name, not know anything about them. Years ago, people would uh, kind of join together and unified together. Now everybody's so independent. But we can be a unifier as the body of Christ. Reaching out to people, showing them the way, showing them the true answer to life, and that is Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I've never experienced anything like this experience in the Lord. When I repented of my sins, was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues, felt the power of God, and started growing in God. I've never felt anything like this before. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's something that continues on in my life, and I, I love it. If I weren't pastoring, I would still be faithful to the house of God. I was faithful before. I would be faithful now because I love God. I love the house of God. I love the people of God. I love, I love the victory of God. I love the, the miracles and the wonders. And I, and I just love the moving of the Spirit. I love the preaching of the Word. I love the teaching of the Word. I just love the things of God. And I know you do too. But our country needs to return to that old-fashioned neighborly spirit where people come together again, you know? And we can, make, we can make a difference in that. A kinder and gentler disposition toward others. Loving others. Now, being responsible for one another. Now, let me give you a, let me give you a scripture here that is really interesting. I don't know if you... I'm sure if you read the Bible through, you've read this before, but I don't know if you really stopped and thought about it because I had... I've read the scripture many times, but um, it talks about how that in Second Corinthians two and thirteen that Paul demonstrated our responsibility toward others when he wrote the scripture. Second Corinthians two and thirteen, he said, "I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus my brother." And the scripture goes on, talks about, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. But the first part of that scripture, let me read it again. Paul was writing this. I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus, my brother. Paul was looking around and he noticed someone was missing. Somebody was missing. His brother Titus. It wasn't his flesh and blood brother but it was a spiritual brother he was missing Um, it also says it went to the point that he had no rest in his spirit because he found not Titus my brother let me ask a question here who is responsible to notice someone missing in your house in your office, 
in your classroom, or in your church. Who's responsible? Now, I know everybody's going to say pastor is responsible, or Sister Burke is going to be responsible, or the greeters or the ushers or whoever is responsible. The leadership team, they're responsible. No, it's not just those. It goes beyond that. We are all a neighbor to give someone Jesus. We're all responsible for our brothers and our sisters. If someone's missing in the house of God, we need to be responsible to reach out to them because there might be times that they're going through a hard time and they need somebody to lift them up. Can I hear an amen? Did you agree with that? Oh, that was a weak yes. Oh. Sister Juan, you gave a good, strong yes. But do you agree with that? We're responsible for our brothers and sisters. Can I hear a Pentecostal? Yes. yes. There you go. I feel more comfortable now. But we all need a neighbor to give Jesus to. We're all responsible to help one another. It's not just the pastors. Uh, fall on the pastors to to be able to look at the congregations, find someone that's missing, which we do. Um, sometimes it's hard not to. You know, you see all the... The congregation here, and thank God they're all faithful and this and that, but a lot of times you come in service and you know what pastor's thinking? I wonder if they're okay. They're not here today. I wonder if they're okay. I wonder if everything's right. I wonder if they're going through a battle, maybe a struggle. What, what are they facing right now? So I'm praying for them, and I'm praying God help them. What? It's tough. But we're all responsible for souls and our brothers and sisters. You know, the saddest tragedy is for someone to die in their home but remain undiscovered for several days because nobody missed them. Wouldn't that be the saddest thing? For someone to pass away from this life in their home and nobody even realize that they're, they've passed on for several days because nobody missed them. That would be a tragedy. That would also be a tragedy in the church. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? It would also be a tragedy in the church that, that someone would be missing from the house of God and we not contact them and we not reach out to them and let them know, hey, I'm here. Or, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to get in. Uh, in in personal people's business or whatever. I'm just trying to encourage and strengthen and lift them up and and strengthen them. That's all of our responsibility. Not Not just pastors, but not just Sister Burks, but all of us. Responsibility. That's what God's given to us is to be responsible for one another. It's our responsibility to check check on those that are not in the house of God. Or maybe someone new that has not, uh, uh, you know, not been here for a while to call them and text them and, and reach out to them and let them know. Not something you have to create or work up. It's just a genuine love for God and love for them. It just comes flowing out of us. 
That is a revival church. That is a church that is going to grow. That is a church that's got a culture that it's just an automatic thing that comes out of us. We're just connecting with people. And you know, really, uh, this church has a great opportunity to take the first step in doing those things because uh, one of my passions is our connect groups. It really is a passion of mine, and I and, and I thank the Lord for for those that have committed to going to those groups. But uh, we need to go to the next level. We we're ministering to one another, but we need to go to the next level in reaching out to people and bringing them to the connect groups so that we can connect with them and let them know the love of Christ. You know, a lot of people won't come to the church building, at, so to speak, but but they will come to a home. And once we get uh, to a point where we're able to fellowship pe- with people and let them know we're not uh, uh, freaks, we're not weird, we're not well. Sometimes we might be a little strange at times, but you know we're not we're not freaks out here. But we are human beings that we enjoy life, enjoy being together and fellowshipping, and we can laugh. A lot of times we laugh at connect groups. Can you believe that? We laugh at connect groups sometimes. We have a good time. But you have a great opportunity to reach somebody. You have a great opportunity. Uh, we, we have what we call Bible studies. You have a great opportunity to be able to take a Bible study chart and, and we could teach you how to teach them. They're very simple. It's just the Word of God. And once you teach one, then you can teach another. It's just a beautiful thing. I, I have, um, and I, I would love to teach more, and I'm wanting to. I'm going to. I'm going to. I try my best to teach more Bible studies. But think about it. I've got a chart, and on the back of that chart is names of people that I've given Bible studies to. And I, I look at that list, and I see some of them that are gone on to uh, uh, minister the gospel. And some of them are pastor's wives. And, and, and some of them are uh, soul winners. And, and some of them are uh, faithful to the house of God. And Sunday school teacher, whatever. I, and I see that, and I, I rejoice over that. Just putting the Word of God into someone's heart and leading them to Christ. It's so such a blessing. It's one of the greatest blessings we could ever experience is to be able to show someone the way to Christ, to an altar, to surrender to the Lord. Don't pass out the responsibility to others that is our responsibility. Be concerned for all of us here and those outside the doors of this church. And let me say this. May your spirit find no rest until you locate a missing neighbor. That's what happened to Paul. His spirit didn't rest until we find somebody in need or someone that someone outside the walls of this church has never darkened the doors of this church. Or someone in this congregation that needs God's strength in their life. Let us find no rest until we find a missing neighbor and help them along the way. Or as the the man laying beside the road, the Samaritan came and took care of him and helped him. That, when we get to that point where our spirit finds no rest until we locate someone in need, that's when we know that we're getting there with a culture of the Great Commission and revival and a move of God. We will see people in our altars filled with the Holy Ghost on a regular basis. On a regular basis. There's a lot of times people could receive the Holy Ghost 
but it's just us. You know what I'm talking about? Just us. There's times in revival. We've got revival coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday with Sister Vicki Oliver. People will receive the Holy Ghost if there's people here that need the Holy Ghost and people that want the Holy Ghost. They will receive it. But may your spirit find no rest until you locate a missing neighbor and help them along the way. The heart of a disciple-maker is much like a parent. Parents are concerned for their children even after they are grown. We all become connected like family in the body of Christ. But parents are concerned for their children even after they are grown. I was concerned for my sons, you know, when they were riding their bikes down the street. You know, I want to make sure that, you know, we told them, you know, look both ways, this and that. Don't cross the street. If there's a car coming, uh, stay out of the road. Be careful, this and that. Trust me, Timothy can testify to the fact that I still tell him when he's driving on a long trip, if you get sleepy, pull over, take a 15-minute break, sleep a little bit, and then go on your way. It helps a whole lot because I've been there and I've done that. And I've also been on the other side of that where I didn't do that and ended up, I know Sister Sheet shouldn't hear this, but sliding sideways in the middle of the median. And it was a miracle from God that He protected me. But uh, that's the reason why I still am concerned about my sons. You know, be careful. Pull over. Take. You know how many times? Let me say this to the whole congregation because I'm concerned about you. How many times you just keep on driving? Your eyes are like. Oh, you're trying to keep your eyes open. You're trying to. Pry, pry. I see some guilty people here because I know I've been guilty too. And you just keep thinking, yeah, I just got a little bit further to go. I got a little bit further to go. Let me tell you something. Don't keep pushing it, please. Let me give you an example. My grandmother kept pushing it, and she ended up crashing the car, and it killed her and my grandfather in an accident because she was tired and kept pushing it trying to make her way from southern Missouri to Kansas City. It's a passion for me, but I'm concerned. But pull over for a little bit, take a break, 15-minute sleep. It's not going to hurt anything. 15 minutes, what is that? You're trying to make it on down the road, I do understand. But I, I also know the statistics of accidents happen within a few miles of your house on a long trip because you keep trying to push it for a little further and you end up running off the road. It's a passion for me. So it's also a passion for me and for you when you consider there are souls that are lost, need God, and our spirits should not be satisfied. We need to be stirred in our spirit to where souls become a part of us. It's a culture of our church longing to reach out to people. Our spirit should not be resting until we see souls come in the house of God. It, it's, it, the water of baptism shouldn't be settled. It should be stirred in baptism. These altars, people need to receive the Holy Ghost here around these altars. 
New people receiving. And we, we, we need to get refreshings, that's no doubt. But we need new people to receive the power of the Holy Ghost in their lives. Matter of fact, in Luke 15, um, that chapter of Luke 15, do you realize that Luke 15 is the lost and found chapter? Did you realize that? The lost and found chapter. Let me read it. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. They were talking about Jesus. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you having an hundred sheep? If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance." The lost and found chapter. Verse 8, Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and, dil- and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And then, well, the lost and found chapter. And then the next story. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in the land and began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father." And will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again, and he was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. The Lost and Found Chapter Things that were lost, but then they were found. And what rejoicing went on that day. So when we look at our lives as a disciple maker and looking for neighbors that are in need, people that, are, that we need to give Jesus to, how long uh, did it take for the shepherd to notice one of the hundred sheep were gone? 
didn't take him long, I'm sure. How long did it take uh, for the woman to notice one coin of her dowry was missing? didn't take her long. How long did it take the father to notice one of the two sons was gone? didn't take him long. Because these people were being responsible for those that are around them. In each case, they were quick to act. The father diligently watched and waited till he was till he saw his prodigal son afar off. The Bible says he saw him a great way off. Now we could look at it like, okay, he was walking up the road, he was a long way out there and he saw him coming. Is it possible that the father saw him at a distance in his pity of misery and sin? That he heard about what he was going through and maybe even saw him at some point outside, but yet he was just waiting for him to be ready to come home? It says he saw him a, far, a great way off. That's what the Bible says. Maybe he saw him at a distance in his pit of misery and sin. Uh, might have even searched for him, but kept his distance until the sun was ready for change. And then he saw him a great way off. But the Bible also says he had compassion on him because he knew what he was going through. He knew what he was faced with. But when he came back, the son came to himself, the Bible said, and he came back. That's what we're praying for right here, that they will come to themselves and that they will come back to the Father's house. Remember the love of God. Remember the embrace of God. Remember the moving of the Spirit. Remember the, the power of the presence of God and the joy and the peace and the happiness that, that was felt in the house of God. We, we're praying that, that they will come to themselves and remember the moving of the Spirit of God. And what happened was the Father had compassion on him and he just opened his arms up and received him in. You know, when people come to the church, we need to receive them. We need to let them know, we're here for you. We're a disciple maker. And the, 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 the shepherd... After he noticed that one of them was gone, he didn't have an attitude that the 99 sheep were enough. Ah, one we lost, ah, that's okay. We still got 99. He didn't have that attitude. No, the Bible says he left the 99 sheep in the wilderness. That's what the Bible says. And he went out searching for that lost sheep. You know why? Because the shepherd felt a responsibility to reach that lost sheep and thank God that he did. When he found him, he put him on his shoulders, carried him back, and said, let's rejoice. And he searched for him until he found the sheep. And the woman who lost her coin, you know what she did? She didn't say, well, i got other coins. No, she went and grabbed a broom started sweeping the floor. Let's find that coin that's lost. And she started sweeping, and finally she found it. We need to look around at what's missing and what's really God's. Souls. Souls are God's. And I'm going to close on that. It needs to be a culture. A culture of being responsible for others. Reaching out others and ministering to other people. That's what Jesus did.
And that's what God wants us to do. There are souls out there right now that you know, you've looked at them and they didn't look like they wanted anything to do with God or church or anything else. It's the ones that seem the hardest are the ones that want God the most. They just don't know how to express it. Deep down in their heart, if you were really to go down deep into their heart and open up their heart and find out what's really down in their heart, they will probably be screaming out, I want God. I want God. I want delivered. I've tried everything to get deliverance, but I want God. I want God to deliver me. I want God to set me free, but I don't know how to get there. So please show me how to get there. It's a disciple maker. Reaching out, finding somebody, befriending them, showing them the way. And it's a beautiful thing when we reach our neighbors and those that are hurting and also those that are missing even in the congregation to reach out to them and say, hey, I'm here for you. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Thank you, church. Because I do believe, you know, there's there are times that when you teach and preach, you can feel... You can feel that you're taking it in. And I feel like that you're taking it in tonight. I feel like that you're taking the Word of God in. And it's going to make a difference in people's lives. It's going to make such a difference in people's lives. As we not only say, Pastor, I believe what you're saying, and I rejoice in it, and I accept it, But there's got to be a starting point where we start doing it. And that's up to you. There's got to be a starting point where we've got to take the steps and start doing it and reaching out. And we do have avenues. We have avenues of of outreach to reach out to people. One of them, like I said, is connect groups. One of them is Bible studies. And one of them is personal personal one-on-one reaching out to people. And, and, and yes, it takes time, but it's worth it. It's worth it to reach a soul, to save a soul. I'd like for us to pray for souls tonight. Let's lift our heads and our eyes up to God. Close your eyes if you would. And I want us to begin to pray for souls. Amen. Pray for neighbors. Let's pray for them right now. Jesus, I am praying and asking God that you will touch.